Welcome to this week's edition of Leading with Confidence. My name is Confidence Seleme and I'm your host. This program is proudly powered by the William Seleme Foundation and the Foundation's mission is Enabling Education in Africa. This week I'd like us to talk on a topic I've titled Selecting the Right Crop of People. The farmer knows that one of the first steps in bringing in a great harvest is selecting the right crops. When you select the right crops, you set yourself up for success. One of the major determining factors in your organization's success is the crop of people that you bring into it. Choosing who to hire or who to work with is one of the most significant decisions you can ever make as a leader. When you bring in the right people, you can transform your organization for the better. It can energize it with new enthusiasm and greater vigor. It can make it more efficient, more effective, and more impactful. It can catapult it to new levels and help it reach its goals and vision. Bringing the wrong people, on the other hand, can have adverse effects. It can destroy morale within the organization. It can slow down progress and decrease efficiency and productivity. It can taint the reputation of the organization and tarnish potential. You may be going in the right direction, but if you don't have the right people traveling with you, you may not get there. Wrong traveling companions can make the journey a lot more painful than it needs to be. They can make it take longer than it needs to. You will spend a lot of energy trying to convince them why that journey is worth taking, and it will exhaust you and wear you out. This is energy that should rather be used in pathing the way forward to enable progress instead of being used to carry and drag people along. Sometimes you think you are selecting and adding crops when in fact you are adding weeds. At face value, a weed can look like a crop, but the difference between the two is evident in what it produces. What the weed produces adds nothing of value to the field. It eats up and dries up the available resources. There are some people who come into organizations and all they ever seem to do is eat up and dry up the available resources. They don't make a valuable contribution. The question now becomes, how do I make sure I select the right crop of people? Here are a couple of measures that will help you in making the right selection. Some of them you may already be implementing and others you may not. Number one, assess competency. First and foremost, there is a specific job that you are bringing them in for. There is a specific gap and a particular shortage that they'll need to fill. The question is, will they be able to? The first thing you should look for and be sure of is competency. You have to verify that they have the right skills to fulfill the day-to-day requirements of the job. If they are required to design, are they able to design? If they are required to balance the books, are they able to? And don't just take their word for it. Don't blindly believe what's on the CV. You must test whether they're able to do it or not. You can do this by arranging simulations or situations that You can do this by arranging simulations or situations that they will encounter in the actual job so that you can assess their reactions and behavior. If their job involves conflict resolution, for example, get people to role play a conflict situation and see how they deal with it. Give them verbal and written tests that will measure their competence. People will always say positive things about themselves when looking to get hired. But can others who have worked with them corroborate what they're saying? It's important to get credible references from people they've worked with and hear what others have to say about them. This is the first step, assessing, measuring, and verifying competency. 
It can also enlist the services of professionals such as industrial psychologists who perform psychometric tests and other assessments to help gauge not just the competency levels of an individual, but their compatibility to the organization as well. This takes us to the next step. Number two, assess compatibility. So you've ascertained that they're able to do the job, but the ability to do the job isn't the only factor to consider when hiring somebody new. The second thing you have to consider is whether they will get along with or work together well with those already within the organization. They are competent, but are they compatible? It's unrealistic to expect that all people get along all the time, but you must at least verify that they will be a good fit, especially with those they will be working with quite closely. In this instance, you can organize a chemistry session. This doesn't mean taking the whole team out for lunch and inviting the new prospect to come along. One of the things you can do is conduct part of the interview with other team members present and actively involve them in the process. This should give you a decent assessment of whether the different personalities gel and whether there is chemistry between the new prospect and the team. Involving the existing team members in this process also makes it easier when onboarding the new member because you already have a buy-in from the rest of the team. It's also crucial that you as a leader have a great degree of knowledge about the people that are already within your organization so that you are able to make an informed decision pertaining to the new entrant. If you know that the people on your team are very outspoken and this new member is quiet and shy, you must assess whether they will be a fit. Does the new member's demeanor mean that they will drown in the noise of the team or does it mean that they will bring in a refreshing change to the dynamics? Matari, date them before you marry them. Once you have verified their competency, and you have ascertained that they are compatible with the rest of the team, it's time to date them. What do I mean by this? I mean that you shouldn't make a permanent commitment until the person has undergone a trial period of at least three to six months. There's a popular TV show called Married at First Sight, which, as the name suggests, involves people getting married at the very first sighting of one another. It may make for interesting TV, but it's a horrible hiring policy. As you can imagine, not many of the couples that come onto this show stay married. Many of them find that although there is excitement at first, it wears off quite quickly when the realization of the commitment made sets in. They realize that despite how good looking the other person is, they have personality traits or values which are at odds with the other person's traits and values. When you make a commitment too rashly, you risk onboarding incorrectly and discovering only later that the person you brought in isn't what the organization needs. If you want to be accurate in selecting the right crop of people to join your organization and you want to avoid making mistakes and pitfalls, go through the process of assessing competency, assessing compatibility, and dating them before you marry them. It's also important to listen to your gut feel. What do your instincts tell you about the person? Even if they pass all the tests and they seem perfect for the job, you must still listen to what your instincts say. Ability to listen to one's instinct is an important leadership tool and you should make wise use of it. Next point, consider the factors. There are many factors that go into the crop selection phase in the farming process. As we mentioned earlier, selecting the right crops is one of the factors that ultimately decides whether your farming results in success or ends up in failure. Crop selection isn't always easy, especially for the entrant farmer. There are so many different crops to choose from, 
And there are issues of market demand, the feasibility of the crop, uh, considering climate, quality of land, and so forth. Let's take a look at some of these factors. A. Market demand. In farming, it's important to assess the level of demand for your product in the marketplace. This is true of any business. You may be producing great products, but if there isn't sufficient demand, you are wasting your time. The skills that the people you are bringing in have, is there a market demand for them? Will they bring value that will make your organization attractive to clients and customers? To know the answers to these questions, you must have an accurate knowledge of the market you are operating in. What are the shifts that are taking place, whether from a technological, legal, environmental, political, or economic framework? One of the most important to consider is technological changes happening. One of the most important to consider is technological changes happening that are affecting market demand. In today's organization, no matter the sphere in which it operates, the element of technology is one that is integral as clients and consumers are looking for greater levels of convenience and technology enables that. This is affecting not only the market demand for goods and services, it's also having an enormous impact on how this demand should be met. In which way can use technology to enable greater ease and convenience? In the advertising industry, for example, there has been a great move towards digital marketing and so the needs and demands of clients have shifted and there's greater focus on digital marketing solutions. Traditional media such as TV and outdoor have taken the backseat and digital is now front and center. Someone made a statement that brings it home quite poignant when they said, we are not doing digital marketing. We are marketing in a digital world, close quote. The market has shifted. The demand has evolved. So when you bring in a new person into an ad agency, they must have a degree of knowledge about digital marketing as this is part and parcel of the current market demand. Even if digital marketing isn't the area of expertise, they must have insight that will help feed the demand. A less contemporary example is that of the fast food industry. For instance, you may discover that the demand for fast food has risen in the last few years as a result of the fast-paced lifestyles that many people lead. But these people do not necessarily want to go to the fast food joint, stand in a queue and get their food. They are too busy and it's too much of a hassle. They want their food delivered to them and technologies such as apps that enable ease of process have impacted the way that the fast food industry has had to operate. The culture of the demand has evolved and so organizations have had to evolve not only to meet the demand but meet it in the right way. Are you a sheep or a shepherd in your industry? Some organizations are sheep in the industries and others are shepherds. The shepherds are distinct and they lead the others. They are the mavericks and the innovators. They are guaranteed to survive and thrive, whereas the sheep who merely follow are in constant danger of getting lost in the business wilderness or being attacked by wolves and other predators. One of the things that guarantee the survival of shepherd organizations is that Instead of just assessing market demand and meeting that demand, they go 10 steps further and they create, stimulate, and anticipate market demand. Before the iPad was created, nobody knew they needed it. Apple, being a shepherd brand in its industry, created the demand for the iPad and other innovations they've pioneered. The question is, are you a sheep or shepherd in your industry? Are you simply meeting the demand that exists 
or are you innovating to create and stimulate demand? Are you looking far ahead so that you are able to anticipate future demand? When you bring people into organizations, one of the key characteristics you must look for is creativity. How innovative are they? How independent are they in their thinking? Will they bring in a new, fresh, creative dynamic into the organization, or will they just blah, 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 like all other sheep? When you hire shepherd people, you transform into a shepherd organization. You go from trailing behind and you begin trailblazing. You become a true market leader. It takes a shepherd to recognize a shepherd. So you have to ask yourself whether you are a shepherd thinker and leader. Are you in business merely to make a better profit or are you in it to make a real impact? Are you there to dominate or to be dominated and dictated to by the various forces present in your market? Another reason it's important that you be a shepherd leader is so that you do not become intimidated by the shepherd people who are looking to join your organization. When a sheep sees another sheep, it is not moved or intimidated. However, in the presence of a shepherd, the sheep feels it is with someone much greater than itself and feelings of insecurity can set in. Many leaders avoid onboarding shepherd people because they fear being with people who are smarter or more skilled than them. They fear that they will be undermined and their leadership may come into question. Such leaders are the reason the organizations are stagnant and stale. An organization of sheep will behave as sheep in the industry, but an organization of shepherds will lead and play a dominant role. Now let's look at feasibility of the crop. When we speak of feasibility, there are different connotations and associations that come to mind, but I would like us to discuss feasibility in the financial sense of the word. When you bring people on board in your organization, there are financial implications to consider. Those people need to be paid their wages or salaries. What does their package include? Do they have medical aid subsidies? Do they have house and car allowance? This financial aspect is important because it plays a key role in the satisfaction of employees. And if it is not structured properly, you can lose good, talented people. Of course, in order for money to go out, there has to be money coming in, and the organization still needs to be profitable. This is where the feasibility aspect comes in. Ideally, the organization shouldn't be paying for the person to work in the organization. That person should be paying for themselves. They should be bringing value such that they will make it possible for the organization to pay them. Over and above that, the value they bring in should not only pay for their wages and salaries, it should contribute to the bottom line profits after they've been paid. What is the quantifiable value that the people in your organizations bring? Do you track and assess the value or are you oblivious to it? It is said that we don't get paid by the hour, we get paid by the value we bring to the hour. The value that one individual brings isn't the same as that which another individual may bring, hence the difference in wages and salaries. Some people are more experienced and so may bring a greater degree of knowledge and expertise to the table. Some are more skilled or have more accolades than others. Some bring unique skills which are highly sought after and so they demand higher salaries. All these and other factors determine or contribute to the quantifiable value that people bring to an organization. However, it's not enough to speak of value or potential value. That value must be tangibly felt. That's why there are things such as performance appraisals and tracking systems such as timesheets. These help in assessing the value brought in 
so that the wages and salaries paid out may be sufficiently justified. Wages and salaries are investments, not expenses. In most, if not all organizations, wages and salaries are recorded as expenses that the organization incurs and there is a rational explanation and reasoning behind it. It helps in tracking the cash flow and the accounting that must take place within the organization. Although wages and salaries are recorded as expenses, we should shift our minds and start looking at them as investments. After all, you are getting a return from the people you brought into the organization, are you not? You are paying them X and they are getting X plus Y back. When we begin looking at wages and salaries as investments rather than expenses, we begin viewing our people in a different light. We begin appreciating them more because we see the great value that they are adding. We become free to invest even more in them because we realize that by investing more in them, we can derive even greater profits through the added value they will bring as a result of the added investment. That which you obtain, you must sustain. Feasibility also speaks of sustainability. Let me first mention that we obtain the services of an individual, not the individual. No organization or leader owns a person. That's an important statement to make because some leaders believe that just because they've hired an individual, they have gained ownership over them as if they are just some commodity that one may purchase. You can own a building, furniture, products, but you can never own a person. You have the privilege of working with them to bring about results and achieve objective. But a wage or salary isn't a purchase price. It's an investment and a reward for work done. One of the aspects that farmers must consider is the sustainability of the crop, bearing in mind the climate. How hot is it? What is the level of rainfall that the climate produces? The climate differs from one industry to the next. Some industries are pressure-filled and produce intense heat. Can the people you brought on board handle that pressure? Some industries require traveling long distances over long periods of time. Are the people you've onboarded willing and prepared to make those sacrifices? Emotional sustainability plays a vital role in relation to the climate in which the organization operates. Do your people have the emotional acumen, elasticity, and dexterity to handle the climate? They may be talented, but if they are not able to handle the pressure, their talent will not be enough to sustain them and they will burst or crumble under the pressure. As you select the crop of people that you'll bring in, Make sure that they are equipped to handle the climate. Make sure that they have the emotional stamina to withstand the climatic challenges and still maintain a growth trajectory that will ensure that the desired harvest is brought in. Well, we've come to the end of this week's edition of Leading with Confidence. Tune in next time. Right here. Thank you.